Thursday, Pearl Harbor Day, December 7, 1941, the Japanese sneaked attacked America, launching us into World War II. Some would say that it was pre-planned and known about it, but the truth is that innocent people died. A lot of American military were attacked, and that officially began and instigated America's involvement into World War II. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. That is God's power to salvation. That is the only way to go to heaven. That's that what that this meme right there means. Death, burial, resurrection. Proverbs chapter 7. Every day I try to look at a proverb and integrate it into the live streams theme. Proverbs 7 is one really kind of big theme. There's not a lot of different topics. It, there's really just one. Starts off with God saying, keep his commandments near and dear to you. Follow his voice. That wisdom is supposed to be your sister. You're supposed to be related to her. You're supposed to be um, you know, doing things with her and fellowshipping with her. And don't go the way of the slanderous, adulterous woman. That likening truth to someone that you're supposed to be in fellowship with to that of an adulterous woman whereby you would want to be in fellowship with an adulterous woman, have sex with her, but that's not the same thing as being in the relationship and the fellowship with truth. And so at the very end of chapter 7, after the man has had sex with this adulterous woman, Proverbs chapter 7 concludes, verse uh, 24 through 27, Hearken unto me now, therefore ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, the adulterous woman, and go not astray into her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Now the immediate application is, don't have sex with whorish, adulterous women. But the proverb is about wisdom. God's wisdom is about his ways, his words, his things. And so there are ways that can seem righteous and sound good and may even come across and be pragmatic and effective in the real world. But if they're not God's ways, they are not God's ways. Vivek Ramaswamy is a Harvard classmate of my wife, class of 2007. She had him in multiple classes and she knows him or remembers him well. He, last night, was at the non-watched GOP debate, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I think that he spoke a lot of truths without truth. You see, Vivek is not a Christian, and because he's not a Christian, he ultimately doesn't have Jesus Christ. But last night, he was dropping bombs. He was actually shredding the other three candidates, which isn't saying much because Donald Trump is like a million points over all of them. But Vivek Ramaswamy, from a non-Christian perspective, is saying a bunch of things that, candidly, Christians in America should be saying. And so I want to, if I can, by God's grace, use this live stream today to point out the things that he was saying last night and explore the nuance, the shameful nuance that God is using. Clearly, he's using people who are not his children I believe to shame his children, to discipline his children, to discipline Christians into doing righteousness and speaking the truth. In short, Vivek was saying things that Christians in America should be have said for decades. But we've been lulled to sleep. We've been made to be. Uh, we've been made to be complacent, whether it's uh, indulgence through materialism or just the fact that we've been made to be so nice that we're afraid to be made, uh, we're afraid to be called mean or racist or homophobic. Before I get to that, I would like to direct your attention to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. This is a main engine of how I'm able to do what it is that I do. So if you want to switch your shopping from where you're at right now and switch it on over to a, um, American manufacturer, get it away from the globalists over to another American, American, can't talk, American manufacturer. The way to do that is at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Myself or someone will call and talk to you and explore and explain how things are. It's a good system. I've been involved with it. I 
receive benefit every single time someone signs up. So that's a benefit and a privilege uh, to me. At the same time, there is a Zoom call with myself and my wife tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. You can sign up at nowgotowar.com. Nowgotowar.com. I invite you there. Uh, I want to play this clip from Vivek Ramaswamy. And I hope I'm saying that right. I'm really not trying to do it injustice. I just I just don't say those names. But this is this, and we'll start out with Vivek just nailing multiple large-scale conspiracy theories right out the gate here we go with all three of my other colleagues on this debate stage is all three of them have been licking donald trump's boots for years for money and endorsements ron DeSantis, you've been a great governor but you would have never been one without actually begging donald trump for that endorsement and you attacked same him in your Nikki book Haley. a year ago same thing with chris christie as a lobbyist begging them for covid money for his special interests in new jersey prepping him for the debates last time around these people are now Monday morning quarterbacking some decision he made. I think the real enemy is not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on the stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11? that the great replacement theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, that the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech, that the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment <laughs> okay. that actually Thank put you. up the Trump-Russia collusion hopes that they knew was false. There's a reason why I'm the only person That'll on the it, stage sir. who can Thank say you. these things. That's what it's going to take, not people who were licking his boots one time and now Monday okay. morning quarterbacking him and criticizing him when it's convenient. Governor Christie. Yeah, a lot of that I absolutely believe is true. In fact, all of that I believe is true. So, so I'm not, I'm not, I completely agree with him. Completely agree with him. A couple different things. The first thing, you recognize that that many bulletized punch conspiracy theories could not have been tolerated by people. They had to, okay, 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 okay. That at some point, before his allotted time was over, you could almost see that there were announcers being yelled at through their earpieces, shut that Indian up, shut him up. Make fun of him because of 7-Eleven or uh, you know, Smarma or whatever. Like, go after him. Stop letting the man speak. Dropping bombs about 9/11, dropping bombs about the Great Replacement theory, dropping bombs about the fact that uh, there's a you know the the Trump Russia collusion, this 2020 election that was stolen. Those are narratives that have been suppressed by media, by powerful forces. I call them the godless commies. Now I'll go here to say that I believe that everything he said was absolutely right. Now, if we can, you know, me, I don't know Vivek, my wife does, but if we can jump, if we can just take a quick jump into his psychology, I believe Vivek knows he ain't going to beat Trump. I believe that most people running for president on the Republican ticket don't believe that they'll beat Trump. I think that the Democrat, if there were a honest election, knows he, she, it, what, whomever is it going to be, knows that they can't beat Trump. I believe that most people at this point understand that Donald Trump is the most popular politician in America. There will be people who disagree. There will be people who say, well, he's bad and all this kind of stuff. I get that. But pound for pound, urban people, black people, they're starting to say, yeah, we want Trump. We want a watermelon. We want Trump. Amen. There's Hispanics that are like, yeah, it's, it's better work under President Trump. It, it, like the, the economy was better, things were more peaceful under President Trump, and I think at this point, most people see the fact that the media and the national security apparatus were running psychological operations, false flag events, Russia collusion, paid off and corrupt politicians. I think that this is obvious to point out the fact that the attack against Trump is really one of globalism rejecting and trying to stifle nationalism. And it's failing. And I think that they have jumped the shark. I think they've overextended, you know, they extended over their skis. Whatever metaphor you want to use, people have woken up, as much as I hate that, phraseology, because that's new age. People have become aware of 
the systems of narrative control and information management that has been shaping their thinking. They have. Now, I would call attention to, are we looking at the right solutions? First and foremost, Jesus. Second, live local, fundamental law, organizing locally, looking at people in the eyeballs and not just relying on people on the internet who talk in boxes. Like, real life relationships and communication needs to be part of the solution. It needs to be the uh, mainstay of the solution. Parenting your children, homeschooling your kids, those types of things. Not worrying about stacking up and getting a really big nest egg. Those types of things need to be uh, you know, critical and, and, and absolutely essential to moving forward. But also this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy, he's an outsider. I believe that he's he knows he's going to get beat, but he's pushing to be the post-Trump guy. He's pushing to be involved in Trump's administration. In other words, someone like Vivek, who's always wanted to be in politics, which is what my wife has said since going back to uh, his Harvard days and probably before, he's shrewd. He's absolutely not stupid. He's very, very smart and he's articulate. Kind of like Obama, right? So he's shrewd, he's articulate, he knows he wants to be successful. So instead of being in Congress or U.S. Senate, he's going to run for president He's going to fail. He's going to become a darling. He's not going to insult Trump, and Trump won't insult him. So Trump will naturally make him part of the cabinet. And whenever he becomes part of the cabinet, he will do continue. He will continue to do things that get his name in the papers that will endear him to the right and indemnify him or make him an enemy of the left. And that, that way, whenever Trump starts to get out of office, Vivek Ramaswamy will be the young, energetic, next generation person to step up. I believe that is Vivek's plan. I, I, I think that I think it's uh, I think it's self-evident, but that's just from my perspective. So I don't think that he's actually running to win. I think he's actually running to win later. I also think he's benefited from Ron DeSantis' mistake. He's benefited from all of these other people who have stabbed Trump in the back, who used Trump's coattails to become politically popular, to get elected, and then they turn right back around because the donor cash came, or their egos got too big, and they said, you know what, let's go ahead and go for Trump, which is what DeSantis is doing. Now that's the political analysis, and I think that's pretty simple. But what I really want to jump into is the fact that Vivek is not a Christian. But yet he's saying a lot of things that, you know, at least my bias, I believe are true. I believe that 9-11 was an inside job. I believe our government was involved with the CIA and the uh, and a lot of people from Saudi Arabia to destroy the buildings. I believe that the buildings were con- were destroyed by controlled detonations. Look at Tower look at Tower 7. And Tower 7 was where the Defense Department was was holding the place where it was keeping the, the logs and the stockpiles of the $2.3 trillion that Secretary Rumsfeld the day before on September 10th said, well, we just misplaced it. And so that morning there was supposed to be a hearing, but all of a sudden, boom. Like, I believe that gov- that 9-11 was an inside job. And I say that as a guy who saw the towers fall on television and then dedicated my life to going into the military, fighting overseas in two combat deployments, losing friends, killing people, having my body messed up in service to the nation. So I don't say that lightly. I don't say that as someone that just kind of just flippantly says it. I also say that as someone who looking at the 10-7 attacks in Israel, I'm now demanding and I, I believe that Israel should pony up the, the information on, on the attacks in their nation. How do you have, on a nation that's smaller than New Jersey, a seven-hour, 1,000 jihadi attacking, raping, killing, pillaging, destroying, and doing everything without the government being involved somehow? At least minimally from the position that it's just negligent and looking the other direction, which is just as bad. So I have a healthy skepticism whenever two cops come into my restaurants and shut them down and I lose them because of covid Right? Like, I have a skepticism of my government. I have uh, an opposition to government abuse, government tyranny, which is why I looked at the fundamental law. Instead of just complaining, instead of just saying, we need to elect more Republicans. No, I want to go to the actual source, the actual law to prove all things, like the Bible says. But there will be people in mainstream America who will say, that's a conspiracy theory. You're a homophobe. You're an anti Semite. And I'm pointing out, 
the fact that it took Vivek Ramaswamy to start to say that on a large national level. Other people have said it, but other people who look like me get castigated, which is why Vivek was no different. This is the New York Times. Defending Trump, Ramaswamy rattles off right-wing conspiracy theories, right? Here's CNN. CNN, a flat-out lie. CNN fact-checks Ramaswamy claim. Can, can, can CNN, can they credibly say that they can fact-check anybody anymore? I mean, come on, Andrew Cuomo, Chris Cuomo. How about this? This is NBC. NBC says Vivek Ramaswamy promotes January 6 conspiracy theory by suggesting it was an inside job. I believe that Vivek, or I believe that it was an inside job. Or how about the Daily Beast? Daily Beast comes out and says Vivek Ramaswamy pulls out his tinfoil hat in an unhinged debate attention grab. Now I don't think I don't necessarily think that they're wrong. I think that it was a debate attention grab, but I also believe that he was saying truths. Now you could examine and say, well, this is just Jaron being biased. It is. Like I, I politically agree with him, even though I'm su- uh, even though I, I think he susses all get out. I think he's suspicious. So yes, I politically agree with him, but I also don't trust him. <laughs> like I don't trust him because he ain't a Christian. I don't trust him because he made his money in pharmaceuticals. But that doesn't mean that I don't like what he says and don't agree with what he says. So let's just get rid of the reductio of you're either for this guy or against it. No, 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 no. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ, which is my whole point. And my whole point is I believe that God is using people who are not in or not his people. He's using people to shame his people. It should be Christians who are saying January 6th is an inside job. It should be Christians who are saying 9-11 was an inside job. It should be Christians pointing out that the Israeli government has a duty to give full disclosure about what it knew. Were there stand-down orders? It should be Christians that are going against abortion. It should be Christians going about these things. The great replacement theory. The fact that the majority of America looks like me. And for decades, open borders and, uh, you know, corporation favorable immigration policies for cheap immigrant labor has actually changed the way that America looks. Now, there will be people say, well, that's racist. No, no, no. It was, I believe it was done on purpose because people that look like me in America come from one man, one woman families that generally stuck together before the 1950s. Before divorce was thematic. California, no-fault divorce. Before baby butchering in the womb was common. We've got 60 million babies butchered in the womb legally since 1973. Before the free love of the 60s that was sown and fomented on college campuses where women were encouraged to leave the home and not have a family, but to go be corporate CEOs and go compete with men. Right there has been a deliberate destruction of God's order. And moving into World War II, America was Christian, America was white, America had their families together. After World War II, you see that decline. You see the borders open up, you see the family being fractured, and you see people believing all sorts of gobbledygook. And it should have been Christians saying this for decades. Now, there will be people who are so programmed with Darwinian presuppositions about racism who will say, Jaron, you can't say that America was white. Well, you can. That doesn't make me hate black people. It doesn't make me hate brown people. It doesn't make me hate Asian people. It makes me realize that there are people that are purposefully moving and incentivizing massive amounts of people moving to America. And there are implications of massive amounts of people who are not from America moving to America that most Americans don't understand. And that for the longest time, the Christians who were here before this mass migration, with the, starting with the Braceros program in the 1950s and 60s, they didn't have anything against these people. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Just be neighborly. Just don't be a jerk. Don't be stupid. And so the Christian niceness, the niceness of Christians, whereby they would give themselves to materialism or immediate indulgences, they stopped governing their nation. We stopped governing our nation with limited government, with LBJ, or LBJ's Great Society, 
where it's rumored that he said, you give me that vote and those N-words will be voting Democrat for the next 60 years. And if he said that, he's been right because the, the black people are voting Democrats. Now, why would he say that? Because the federal government incentivized the father out of the home, subsidizing, giving money to breaking families apart. These things are true. These are true observations, but if you say them, our, our, our thinking through our eyes, through our ears, for the key terrain of the mind, we have been trained to say that anyone who says these things are racist or hateful or somehow we hate everybody, but that's not the case. And by not saying these truths, our society has fallen apart. Let me cut, hope, let me cut, cut closer to home. Christians who say that they believe in Jesus, who are so focused on leaving earth, seem to deny the fact that God has them here right now. And there's a competing interest. If you're so focused on leaving earth, but God has you here, who are you really arguing against? Jesus, I just want to leave. Okay, but you're not, you're still there. So get to work. We, we don't even have to talk about eschatology. We don't even have to talk about biblical doctrines that may or may not be within you know 200 years of being developed by some 15-year-old girl from, from Scotland. All we have to do is recognize, does Jesus have you here? Yep. Okay. Well, then he's in charge and there's something he's doing. So make that thought come to Jesus, which takes me full circle back to Vivek. Vivek was saying things last night in the speech that I didn't, you know, the debate that I didn't watch. He's saying things last night that were true. He's being used, I believe, at, by God to speak truths, but he has no truth. And this creates a very interesting situation. Do Christians start saying the truths? Or do Christians kind of sit back and go, oh, I'm glad the brown guy is saying the stuff that the white guys think because the white guys don't want to get called homophobes or racists or bigots or whatever else. That the Christians are too busy being nice instead of speaking what's true because the implication of open borders is raped women, increased crime, depressed wages. It's the fact that there are people who aren't from America that are now in America changing the way that America believes, the way that America behaves. Whenever I grew up, my parents let us run around the streets. I won't, today, I won't let my kids get out of my eyesight in a store. Why? Because I don't know any of these people. I don't trust any of them not to be perverts and not to like touch on them or say something that's bad to them. Like, I don't trust any of those people. There's no trust between the fellow man. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy. You know, maybe that's the case. Maybe after two, two deployments, being blown up a couple times, coming back and having my stores closed by police officers, one of which was a combat veteran, maybe I've lost my trust in the fellow man, which is why I try to hammer the gospel so much. If Christians are not forward-leaning, if the... If the ideas out of our mouth are not from the scriptures, if they're not bending ideas back to Jesus, then we can say these true things about our culture, about our society, if we've got the courage. But if we're saying the great replacement theory, if we're saying that 9-11 was an inside job, if we're talking about that the Israeli government is evil and they're probably financing Hamas, if we're saying these things, abortions, murder, if we're saying these things, but we're not following it up with the gospel, if we're not connecting it to Jesus, then we just have truths without truth. And think about that. Because if you can say true things, but not have Jesus, it means you are using truths. You're using true observations, factual things, for some other purpose than Christ. And this gets me to the second video that I'll play with Vivek, and this one's just a scorcher. I think this ended Nikki Haley's career. Watch this. Hi, man. So foreign policy experience is not the same as foreign policy wisdom. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden who still support this, what I believe is pointless war in Ukraine. And I think those with foreign policy experience, one thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common 
is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. So reject this myth that they've been selling you, that somebody had a cup of coffee stint at the UN and then makes eight million bucks after, has real foreign policy experience. It takes an outsider to see this through. Look at the blank expression. She doesn't know the names of the provinces that she wants to actually fight for. And there's her puppet masters right there, the donors. The donors right there that are playing her like the puppet masters. Yeah, uh, this obviously strikes a chord with me because I hate foreign wars. I love what he just did here. I love the fact that he called her out and then he said, look at the blank expression on her face. <laughs> that warmongering globalist, Nikki, ha Nikki Haley, I believe has sold her soul to the Koch brothers, or I guess one of them's in hell now, but they, he, she sold her soul to the Koch remaining brother, uh, been endorsed by him, and she just promotes globalist war all over the place. She can't name where American sons and daughters would go to Ukraine to go fight. Neither can I, by the way, because I don't care. But I also say that I don't want any money, American money, uh, military, or bombs, munitions to go to Ukraine. Ukraine and America, leave it alone. You know, just, just leave it alone. I believe that Americans exercising their rights and enjoying the liberties that we have and being vigilant for good government using the fundamental law will create such a robust economy whereby America will be the powerhouse financially, as it is right now, but less in a globalist way, where people will want to come to America like they do right now, except for we're not going to give them subsidies or preferential treatment, but so that they can come here to get the American dream, which we'll get to here in a second. They will come here, and by them coming here and doing business here and bringing their stuff here, they will pay their income taxes, which is the purpose of the income tax, and they will pay for our government without us having to pay for our government. That's the wisdom of the founders. But you don't get that unless you're speaking to those types of truth. You don't get that recognition unless you know the fundamental law. Unless you're willing to say things that are true but that require courage. And that's ultimately where I believe that God is using Vivek in order to condemn, not condemn, but to yeah, to, uh, condemn, to, to condemn not in a spiritual sense, but to judge and to impugn and to discipline Christians. God is using non-Christians to, to, to say truthful things that, Lord willing, I hope that Christians are like, man, I should be saying those things. Yes. And when you say these true things, you need to tie them to Jesus. You need to tie them to the Bible. You need to say... God put you in your nation. How about you take what God says and make it dominant in your nation instead of coming from your nation to another nation and taking your crap ideas and ways of living and trying to change the place that you're coming to. Let's do that. And it's not wrong for you to say, God put me here. I'm going to keep it here based on the fundamental ideas that established here. This is, an, this is an ontological issue. This is a who are you type of a situation. And I believe that the wisdom here is that there is an adulterous woman. Vivek Ramaswamy is not a Christian. He's saying true things. And the lore is that, well, we need to go say true things in order to win politically. No, I'm not advocating that. I'm saying we need to say true things because they're true. And when they're true, we're tying that back to Jesus because God is about reconciling all of creation to himself. He wants all the nations to obey. And if Christians can make that subtle distinction to say these things, yes, in our politics, yes, we want good government, but we're doing it for Christ is king. We're not doing it to win an election. We're not doing it for poll numbers. We're not doing it to win the younger generations. We're doing it because it's true. We're doing it because it's right. And I believe that God is raising up examples like Vivek Ramaswamy, who don't know him, don't have a relationship with him, in order to show us what we should be doing and have had been doing all along. 
want to point your attention to HumbleWB.coffee. HumbleWB.coffee. Delicious air roasted coffee, all organic, no preservatives, no flavoring. Coffee the way God intended, perfectly roasted on a cushion of air, unlike 99% of coffees, where they put it in a metal bucket, turn it around, and set it on fire, and then they load it up with a bunch of fake junk. Delivered right to your door, go to HumbleWB.coffee. HumbleWB.coffee. I want to then say that sometimes people in the media tell you who they really are. Watch. (laughs) Where's this at? Watch this. Live from London, this is BBC News. Did you did you catch that? Let's <laughs> let's watch it again. Watch watch her real fast. She is doing something off camera, not thinking anyone can see, but watch. Live from London, this is BBC. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> she is just just so emphatic about it. <laughs> uh, and another I told you so. Here is the US Embassy. Uh, announcing that they're going to start pairing with uh, Southcom, Southern Command, and they're going to start flying over Guyana. Why is this important? Because there's a lot of resources in Guyana that were recently discovered. Guyana doesn't have the common law, so the people in Guyana can't contract for their own benefit so that they will be exploited. And I have been saying for weeks, if not months now, the U.S. military, who considers the Amazon ours, we have the Amazon, Moving in and doing the exploitation. This is also going to lead, I believe, to an escalated regional conflict because Venezuela is recognizing that Guyana, right next door, has a bunch of resources and they want them. So uh, Southcom is going to go ahead and start doing flights over the country. Keep in mind, we don't have any type of, uh, you know, allegiance or treaty. There isn't a justified military operation there. This is just the U.S. military flexing its muscles, saying we're going to go ahead and fly over Guyana because we're going to really escalate the situation. We're going to provoke Venezuela to either respond or we're going to pacify them so that we can exploit. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Another example of how these godless commies are destroying things is this, what's her name, Hochul? She's passed this that goes into effect right now, this first ever toll for congestion tax or something. Watch this. Very first state in the nation, the very first city in America to have a congestion pricing plan. Americans will have to pay around $23 per day. Passenger vehicles would be charged $15 to enter the congestion zone, trucks between $24 and $36 depending on size, and motorcycles $7.50. Those tolls would be charged once per day and would be in effect between 5 a.m. and 9 p.m. on weekdays and 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on weekends. Fees. The proposal aims to reduce traffic congestion. We really made an effort to keep the base toll as low as we possibly could. The board in charge of coming up with New York's congestion pricing plan revealed the toll pricing structure meant to discourage drivers, improve air quality, and collect $1 billion each year for the MTA. Customers hailing taxis or hopping into a rideshare will have to cover the toll charge. That's $1.25 for taxi customers, $2.50 for app-based rides. Box trucks will have to pay $24. Larger trucks must fork over 36 bucks. Absent this, we're going to be choking in our own traffic. It's going to affect my pocket, honestly. It's going to be pretty tough. The MTA says money from the tolls will go into improving the city's subway and bus networks, but doorman Horacio Colon is unsure if that investment will make the subways safer. I don't feel comfortable taking the train, so I prefer to drive. Yeah, Biden's America is way more expensive. These godless commies, uh, they don't know how to administer a city. It's like they haven't upgraded, they haven't, um, you know, innovated the way of doing things. The first thing I thought of was if the toll begins at 5 a.m. and ends at 9 p.m., I could really see business or people shifting their their commute times to those off periods. They just say, "Oh well, we'll just uh, <laughs> we'll just arrive to the city before 5 p.m. or 5 a.m. or or after 9 p.m." That's what I would do. Um, 
this I believe is unconstitutional. I think you will see pushbacks um, because you're basically taxing travel. And uh, I don't think that corporations or local governments are granted that authority. I was looking into the New York Constitution, but I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll punt this for another time. I'm just trying to use this as an example of how governments corrupt and people, if they don't learn the fundamental law, they don't know how to push back. Speaking of that, the director of the FBI, who is a special commission and has no congressional charter, by the way, was at Capitol Hill yesterday, and he was saying that he sees red flags and blinking lights and threats all over the place. This is Christopher Ray speaking to Lindsey Gramnesty at Capitol Hill. Watch this. So what I would say that is unique about the environment that we're in right now in my career is that while there may have been times over the years where individual threats could have been higher here or there than where they might be right now, I've never seen a time where all the threats or so many of the threats are all elevated all at exactly the same time. That's what makes this environment that we're in now so fraught and why funding our men and women who are working shoulder to shoulder with state and local law enforcement and other partners every day makes it even more important, not less. So blinking red lights analogy about 9-11, all the lights were blinking red before 9-11. Apparently, obviously, all of us missed it. Would you say that there's multiple blinking red lights out there? I see blinking lights everywhere I turn. Yeah, and so someone who doesn't have constitutional authority to have that job sees threats all over the place. Notice the inverted paradigm. Notice the paradigm that the government has to be forward-leaning to be searching for problems. That is a, that's feminism. That is, we need to be safe. We need to be peaceful. We need to not be hurt. Well, you weaponize that, you let it enlarge itself over decades, and then you turn it against the American people, and now you have the FBI arresting people just because they talk like masculine people, just because they say, yeah, I think the FBI is a hoax. Or they think that, I think, January 6th was an inside job. The FBI would come after those types of people. And they are able to really turn the screws on them, I believe, because most Americans don't know their rights. Most Americans don't know that they can't be tried in an administrative or legislative tribunal. Most Americans don't know that the FBI special agents that swear affidavits against them aren't actually witnesses. Moreover, when these affiants, uh, who are, who are supposed, by the way, an affiant is one who's supposed to have personal knowledge, supposed to be there, supposed to observe. In the maxims, a witness is one who is present to observe a transaction. So the FBI has people that are agents of the government, which by the way, that's an interested party. They get paid taxpayer money to do investigations to then swear to the belief, not the facts, of crimes against people who they are only supposed to exist to defend. They don't have a constitutional charter. They use agents as interested parties to serve as witnesses to gain jurisdiction over people. And whenever they do it, they throw them in jail for 40 years because the people get lawyers that don't argue the Constitution but argue some stupid statute and court rule. This doesn't make sense. So I look at this, and this is why I direct people to my teacher, friend, law coach, brother in Christ, Dave Jose, Twitter, Real Dave Cares for You, or Telegram, Dave Cares for You, to learn the fundamental law. And on a side note there, there's people that will say, well, I, you know, I want to go learn from him and I don't know where to find him. I just told you where to go. But then there's people that are like, well, you know, there, there's a high expectation. There's a high standard. We have been so thoroughly taught wrong and so much knowledge has been hidden from us that people who teach the fundamental law have to be disciplined on the fundamental law. There has to be a recognition that everything I know has been wrong. Everything I've been taught about the law is wrong. The Constitution is the law. The fundamentals need to be understood. But when we approach the fundamentals trying to understand with the way that our brains have been designed, there necessarily needs to be a deconstruction. There necessarily needs to be a, a repentance from what we think we know to what we should know, which is the fundamentals. And so there are people that will message and ask, um, 
you know, I don't understand this, or, or how do how do you make sense of this, or where it's it, the 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 tough part and the way that it's been, you know, the way God's blessed me in this regard is that because I came from a Christian apologetics background, I came from a background of defending the Christian faith. There's different parts of this. There's using Christian evidence, like arguing uh, physics, whether it's uh, Jason Lyle at the Creation Museum that argues, uh, you know, astronaut astrophysics and like really high brain smart stuff. He talk he talks about the uh, the 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 Mendelbrot system or a Mendelbrot number, which is like an infinite regress less than one. It's brilliant whenever you like just go you know go YouTube um, um, Mandelbrot. M-A-N-D-E-L-B-R-O-T, Mandelbrot. Um, you just go Mendelbrot uh, number. So there's astrophysicists that do this. There's historians that do this. There's uh, philosophers that do this. In Christian apologetics to defend the faith, I'm someone that you would call a presuppositionalist. A presuppositionalist presupposes the authority of Scripture, which means if it's in the Bible, I believe it's true. I might not understand it, but I do not question the authority of Scripture. And this comes from uh, in multiple places. But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul writes that all the treasures of knowledge are in Christ Jesus. All of them. That's a way of saying all knowledge comes from Jesus. Well, Jesus is the Word made flesh. So if Jesus is the Word made flesh, then the Word from God is the Bible... And what God has chosen to reveal to us is revelatory knowledge. In knowledge, there's different types of knowledge. There's experiential knowledge, which you get from experience. This is the fallacy when people say, uh, you know, wisdom comes with age. No, wisdom doesn't come with age. Experience comes with age. But every experience doesn't mean it's been integrated into your personality. Into your personality. Just because you've done something doesn't mean you actually know it. I've been blown up, but I can't like walk you through like all the aspects of being blown up. From the detonation to the bomb to the, the concussion to the... I can only say what my experience was. So that is a type of knowledge, but it's not all knowledge. The Bible says all knowledge come, is all the knowledge of... All the, all the treasures of knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus. So whenever you speak about the different types of knowledge, there's sources and authorities of knowledge. There's experience, like we've said. There's observational, like science, where you will look at something, right? But then there's also revelational. Revelational is what's been revealed, what's been told to you. You only know that because someone told you that, right? Revelational knowledge is what the Bible is because God revealed his word. God spoke his word and said, here you go. All that to say, as a presuppositionalist, I don't go against the authority of Scripture. I presuppose it, right? So Jaron could be completely wrong, but the Bible never is. And because the Bible's never wrong, it is truth, right? When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, John 14, 6, Jaron doesn't disagree with that. I, I presuppose it, which means my beliefs are built on the idea that the Bible is true. And that God is faithful, he's worthy, he's He's not a liar, right? Titus chapter 1. Unlike Surah 3.34, when Allah is the greatest of deceivers. That's one, that's one evidence that says Allah is not the God of the Bible. My point here is that because I have a background in presuppositionalism and presuppositional apologetics, when I started learning from Dave and I started learning the fundamental law... It's easy to take the presupposition that the Bible is God's word and overlay that or use that as the tool to look at the Constitution as the fundamental law. So you would presuppose the Constitution. And so at that point, now it's, is this what the Constitution says? No? Well, then get that junk out of here. So that for me, it was a very easy jump because I understood once you understand what the authority is, you presuppose it. You don't question it. Because now that you know what your authority is, now you can build on it because the stability and the continuity, the faithfulness of your authority, if it really is the authority, will never fail you. 
This is why the maxims don't fail. This is why the fundamental law doesn't fail. This is why speaking and declaring and giving the evidence of your constitution to government actors doesn't fail because it's true. It's the law. So when Dave is using the fundamental law, he is presupposing the authority. He's looking at the authority and using it as though it's true. Most Americans have not been taught this. Most Americans lack that critical thinking, not because they're stupid, it's because we've been trained. We've been trained by public schools what to think instead of how to think. I mean, just take this last five minutes. What I've done is I've offered, I've identified and offered multiple different ways to think. There's observational knowledge, I see it, right? There's experiential knowledge, I've done it, right? And now there's also revelatory knowledge, right? Someone told me, right? These are different types of knowledge that you can then put on a different hat. And if you put on the correct hat and you identify the right authority, that's truth. And now that you have truth, you hold it. You don't move on it. Right? This is why when the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, right, the devil prowls around, the devil, your adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking a soul to devour. You stand firm in the faith and he will flee from you. When you stand firm, you're supposed to be saying what the Bible says. You're supposed to be trusting that what the Bible says is so true that whatever comes against you does not get you. And that whatever happens to you is God using that for your good. This is what the Bible teaches. There was someone in chat today that said that God's wisdom is counterintuitive. Amen. The world would look at God's wisdom and say it's stupid. Which is why when you believe in him, you trust in him, you believe the Bible, you believe the gospel. When bad things happen, you don't try to use your brain to figure it out. You first look at the Bible and say, this is what the Bible says, I'm going to stand firm on it. I'm going to uh, tell my wife, stop being a doctor and let's homeschool our kids even though I don't have the money to support my family because God's order, God's role, and God's structure for the family will be blessed despite the fact that it doesn't make dollars and cents. And look at him blessing me. Look at him opening doors. Look at him giving me more blessing, more abundance than I could ever imagine because we faithfully followed him when it did not make sense. When it did not make sense, that's what we did. Now, if you apply this to your life, it means that whenever you're understanding the fundamental law, you might have to tear down a lot of the stuff that you think you know. And this is where people might get into a frustration, but this is also, I believe, the process of repentance. The process of repentance is to recognize that you are not right and that the authority is. The authority is Christ. The authority is the Bible. So when the Bible disagrees with you, you're wrong. Now, repentance is recognizing that and not having any pride or any attachment and no longer holding on to what you want to hold on or what you think you knew. So when the authority comes up to you, you bow. You take you bow. You bow and you serve. There's a lot of people who won't do that. There's a lot of people that will say, "Well, yeah, no, I'll follow you Jesus, but I I, I want to bring my teddy bear. I want to bring my my favorite thing. Let me go let me go bury my father first. Let me go, you know, plow my fields. Let me go uh, you know, do this. Let me go to no, no, no. You drop everything and you follow Jesus. The apostles, James and John, they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. How about Matthew? Matthew left the tax uh, office. He literally left the tax office and followed Jesus. Think about that. If you think about Matthew leaving the tax office, that was a Jew who was working for the Romans to tax his own people. He left it all, which means that whenever he left, he was probably already kind of like seeking a way out. Because a tax collector, his own people would have hated him. But how could he, having his own people hate him, leave the tax collector job and then what, reintegrate into the Israel society? Do you think that they would have accepted him? So here comes Jesus. He looks at him. He says, follow me. He invites him. Jesus' invitation 
got Matthew to not only leave the service of the enemy, but also provided Matthew, from his perspective, the only way out to reintegrate into a society that he was looking at, that he was the one that was oppressing. How many times do we work ourselves into a position where we think we have done so much bad, there's no way I could get out of this. There's no way anybody would ever forgive me. There's no way anybody would ever welcome me back. But yet it took Jesus to say, follow me. And when that happens, you drop everything and you follow him. And then, ain't it just so surprising that the one apostle who wrote the gospel account that was oriented to the Jews, the most Jewish-focused gospel account, is Matthew. The dude that was working for the Romans to oppress his own people was the guy that ended up writing the gospel account inviting his own people to believe the Messiah. Ain't that just awesome? Ain't that, doesn't that just show God's wisdom to take people with talent who probably are doing it wrong and bend it back to do it the right way? But it takes dropping everything and following him. So when we look at the fundamental law and we look at the where our nation is, it's no longer about, well, the Republican Party needs to get more ballots. No, no, shut up. Well, Donald Trump needs to be the president. No, not necessarily. It's not, well, we need to go out and organize by counties and join this organization. No, 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 no. You don't need organizations. You don't need celebrity politicians. You don't need the people with the biggest profiles or the biggest audiences. You need you to trust in Christ, to take a sober analysis of what he's given you and then give it all to him and watch him work. Does Jesus put you into personal connection with other people every day? Yes. Those are war. Those are battle opportunities, my friends. Those are opportunities to dominate for the gospel the way that Jesus would. And Jesus don't go clubbing people over the head. Sometimes he does. He, Jesus don't go whap, whap, whap. Jesus is bringing wisdom. He's bringing the ways of Christ. He's being the word in flesh, which means that we're going to be knowing our Bibles in order to say what the Bible says because it's our authority of knowledge. And when we say what the Bible says in our daily lives, in our relationships, God is dominating because he's invading their ears and he's using his revealed wisdom that all the treasures of knowledge are in and he's fighting with the ideas of the day that those brains occupy. So whenever you've got a buffet table, a bunch of godlessness, trans and anti-Americanism and all this other garbage that's in these people's brains, you say Bible words, you're invading people's ears and you're letting him run amok because the word of the Lord does not return void. And if you plant, God can use another one in the body to, to, to water. And if you plant and someone else waters, God grants the gain. It doesn't have to be you that goes and saves the people. It has to be you that just puts your hand to the plow and freaking till, push, advance, go. But that requires you to recognize that whenever you're looking at something, you could be very wrong. And if you are very wrong, you need to understand what the authority is. Shut up, stop, and let it go. Immediately. Immediately. And this is where... If Americans are to govern, if Christians are to govern their nation, according to the fundamental law, according to the, the, the wisdom that the founders got from Jesus, because they believe the Bible, then we have to have this sober assessment where we approach people whenever they're teaching the fundamental law and say, where is this written? Show me where it's written. And if there is attitudinal pushback, if there's resistance, it might not be because they're a jerk. It may be because the training has to be smashed. The bad understanding has to be destroyed. It may very well be that after decades of believing, well, the courts are all, or they're, they're all corrupt. There's no one, no one cares about anything. Well, think about what you've just done. You've just taken past experience and you've projected it into the future to deny your participation or your growth or your improvement or your battle right now. Well, I've, this has never happened to me, or it's always been corrupt and there's nothing I can do. Well, you saying that now is your interpretation of the past, and you interpreting the past, you're going to project it on the future because it's an egocentric way of handling knowledge, right? You're not going to look at knowledge in the context of the Bible that God could have been keeping you, he could have been faithful to keep you and, and to have you endure, to grow, to have the patience and the fruit, right? Like you're not looking at it like that. You're looking at 
internet is just as fail, 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 fail. And then whenever you project it into the future, you've just diminished. You've just killed your own motivation. You've just deprived yourself the opportunity to be different from what you were. You've just told God, no, I know you can change things because I believe that the dead man rose from the grave, which means I'm a new creation, right? Why would you believe the gospel where you could be a new creation, but you're not going to look at your past and think that the future could be any different with God's help? That don't make sense to me. So when we look at things that we don't understand, we need to get to the authorities and we need to say, what's true? It, you know, it, for, for me, that it, it is that simple, but that takes a, um, you know, and there, that takes a humility to recognize that what I believe and what I know don't matter. That takes a self-awareness to say, Jaron is a sinner. You are a sinner. You deserve to go to hell. I deserve to go to hell. I, I, I can't save myself. And whenever I'm in that position, show me what you want, Jesus. Show me in your Bible. Show me where it's written. Let me do because I, I want to work for you. Please show me. And sometimes, as I'm figuring out, especially post-dad, sometimes he don't answer immediately. Sometimes he just waits. Sometimes he moves. Well, I shouldn't say sometimes. All the time, he works on his time. Which means most of the time, I'm waiting on him. And then when he moves, he gives gifts without sorrow. He moves mountains as though it's like hot butter. He, he changes people and he brings people into your life as though it's like, I had no idea you could do that. I had no idea these blessings existed. And that's because you had the faithfulness to shut up and wait on him. You had the, the patience to recognize that the king is sovereign and the king is reigning. And I'm just busy with my hands on the plow. I'm looking forward because I want to sow in a straight line. I don't care who's behind me doing whatever they're doing. I'm not looking to the side. I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do. And it's a moment by moment by moment. Jesus, am I doing what you want? Am I going the way that you want me to do? Some people might not be the ones to learn the fundamental law. Some people might not be the ones that do trades. Some people might not be the ones that are the astrophysicists. Some people won't be the public school teachers. Some people won't be the Wall Street bankers. Some people won't be the politicians. I've learned that the hard way. I ran for office three times. Do you understand how frustrating that is to lose three times? Do you understand how many doors I knocked? Do you understand how much money I put into that? you understand how many times I asked people, complete strangers, for money? we got to beat the radical left. You don't understand how frustrating that is? And then now, by God's grace, me, a nobody, a no-name, I'm on the phone with legislators with in different states telling them what the fundamental law is. And no one will ever know my name. So I'm participating in the righteous government that I always wanted to do. But in God's wisdom, he made it to where I'm not going to be the one that ever, anyone will ever know about it. Which I just think... <laughs> which I just think is like the... <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most ironic, funny, humorous, God way of doing things. He's given me more than what I wanted because I'm having more of an impact than I would have if I was in office. So I'm having more of an impact, but I have none of the personal glory that, uh, that there was a selfish part of me that wanted. None of the followers, none of the podcasts, none of the book sales. I'm not walking out on the big uh, stages with the music, with the with the lights that are like shining and like make you look like you're a celebrity. I got none of that, and I don't want it. God bless. I, you know, that's for other people. I want to talk to normal folks that got dirt underneath their fingernails, who are balancing their budgets, struggling to feed their kids, but are in the fight because they hate bullies, they love the truth, and they want a better ch uh, future for their children. That's who I want to talk to. Those are my people. The people that want to do righteousness and are in the muck with me. 
Those are the ones that are my people. My people are not the ones that take stuff for granted. My people are not the ones that think that they can just give money and everything will uh, be solved. My people are the ones that day in, day out, despite rain, despite, despite heat, despite the sleet, despite the snow, despite the tornadoes, the rainstorms, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, despite no nothing... They're going to be standing firm on Jesus going, this is what it says, and I'm going to do it. Those are my people. That's who I am by God's grace. That's who I want to be with. And it's going to be a minority. It's going to be people who aren't popular. It's going to be with people who aren't famous or rich or powerful in an earthly sense. It will be with people who are just talking to their PTAs, who are thinking, well, my, my, my living room, can we can hold about 10 people here. I got some folding chairs. We'll have a weekly meeting. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to invite them and I'm going to you know, encourage them to come meet and we're just going to start talking about stuff. Like those are the people. That's why I avoid the big organizations. That's why I'm not chasing the big crowds. That's why the last few times I've been invited to go on bigger podcasts, I've said no. I'm not, I'm not chasing that anymore because I recognize God's doing a new thing and he wants people who read his Bible and do his Bible. That's what he wants. He wants people that are faithful. He wants people that are diligent. He wants people that whenever he's, whenever he's put the yearning on their heart, that things don't make sense, give me understanding. He wants people that will say, yep, I'll, I'll take off my hat. I'll chuck that hat. Yeah, give me, give me a new hat to put on. Give me a new mind. Tell me what to think. Now, I completely just went away from my outline there, and I think that's fine. <laughs> and you can see the hat was tight, getting worked up. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life. It's the most important thing in your life, whether you believe it or not. The reason why it's the most important thing is because you and I are sinners. We stand as enemies against God until and unless you have believed the gospel. You see, Jesus was virgin born as was prophesied. He was virgin born into the world. He lived a perfect sinless life. He took the cross voluntarily. He took the cross faithfully and obediently. Despite him being able to nuke the place and call legions of angels to free him to where he would not have to feel one little scotch of pain. And who could blame him? But he did it out of love. He did it with discipline and he did it freely. Now, whenever he was buried in the grave, that means the sin died with him. He took on our sin on that cross. Whenever he was buried, the sin died with him. And the proof of it was that he was dead. They wrapped him up like a mummy. They put him in the burial clothes. And then whenever he, the rock was rolled away and he stepped out and he was resurrected, it shows that he has power over death. It shows that life is what he guarantees. Life is what he gives. And because Jesus ain't no slouch, he ain't no liar, he ain't no hypocrite, he's not a bully, he's loving. He's a shepherd, he disciplines, he gives, he sacrifices, he advises, he encourages, he teaches, he trains. He also wars and fights and cracks the whip calls out the hypocrites and he knows when to be gentle and he knows when to be firm. I love him. I know him. I can't wait to be with him forever. I got him right now. Just in the muck, just in the fight. Believe the gospel. It's the only way to get to God. Believe the gospel, my friends. Hey, I appreciate your time listening. Today was more of a, a rant preach. <laughs> I didn't cover some of the stuff. It's more of a rant preach. I got talking about stuff. Hope that's all right. <laughs> uh, if, if you appreciate what I do, want to say thank you, want to be in because you're inspired, encouraged, enlightened, illuminated, or equipped for whatever, uh, there's links in the description below. The patriotswitch.com option is the one where you benefit as well as me. Uh, you know, I, I benefit from commission anytime someone signs up and participates as a shopper. Uh, and so that's my benefit, and there's good benefits for me in that. But the way that you benefit is you can take the new way of thinking, take your money away from the globalists, and put it into the American manufacturing. Do your small part to build the little part of the wall in front of your house by switching over to American manufacturing. That's at patriotswitch.com, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Uh, there's a 
uh, Zoom call with my wife and I tomorrow evening. Now go to war.com. Now go to war.com. That's at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, there's also humblewb.coffee. And we're going to be launching, we're going to be launching something I'm calling livelocal.church. Livelocal.church. Um, it's coming. The basic idea is going to consolidate and try to organize uh, all the stuff that I kind of do because I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I do not do a good job of, um, you know, ordering it and packaging it and and keeping it simple. So there's going to be a couple different initiatives. I'm going to run it through that website uh, only because it will force me to do it. Um, and so that's going to be one of my one of my new things. But it's also um, the, the the idea is also to communicate to people that what you do is in worship of Christ. What you do is in worship of the Lord. And so if you think about it from the common law, the Congress can't make any religion any law respecting the establishment of a religion. If what you do is in service of the Lord, then when two of you are together, then that's where Jesus is well is as well. The government will never define what a church is and the government will never regulate your religious activity. Read between the lines. Amen. God bless. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Amen. Go to war.